Hello there, everyone, and thank you for tuning in to the Cape Swoosh Podcast. My name is Jeremy Doyle. So, this episode that you're about to listen to is our talkback for the episode Princess Princess, which is going to be a discussion held by myself and our guest director, Noah Avatar. So, we recorded this episode a few weeks ago while Noah and I were running in a show together, that being the Charles Teller Foundation and Talentine Players production of James and the Giant Peach. So, we make reference to things like buying tickets for the show, and when you're able to see it, and this and that and the other thing. Uh, that show has since passed. Uh, we have completed the run of that show, which is why I now have time to edit this episode together. And I just wanted to make you all aware of that. If you're interested in seeing the show, unfortunately, that show has passed. So just give it a heads up. Thank you for listening and hope you enjoyed this episode. Upset, but you're wagging your tail. It's almost like you do it for the attention. Yeah, that's all I got. Anyway, um, so hello again, listeners, for take two, and welcome back to the Cape Swoosh Podcast. My name is Jeremy Doyle, and today we have a very special guest with us today. That person being eyebrow, eyebrow, eyebrow. Hi, my <laughs> name is Noah Avatal. Um, I've done a few stuff with you guys so far. I was in um, Witches. Uh, I forget the character's name. Um, oh my gosh. To be completely honest. Something Southern. <laughs> I can't remember either. Because uh, you were in our Halloween special, which yeah. is Harrow County and Witches. You were also in our most recent production. That was The Ice Cream Man and Joker's Five right. by Revenge. Uh, again, we were joking about this before, but we keep asking Noah to come in for our horror-themed uh, podcasts when Noah is the least horror person that we have. Yeah, I'm a total weenie baby. <laughs> um, super weenie hut juniors. Uh. <laughs> weenie hut generals! Um, I'm a goofy goober. Oh, yeah. goofy goober, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Noah and I, uh, to give this little plug are also doing a show together for the Charles Seller Foundation and for the Talent Time Players. They are a charity organization in Bloomfield, New Jersey. Uh, we are doing James and the Giant Peach, the musical, and all proceeds are going to the benefit, or proceeds, I don't know if it's yeah. all proceeds. It's not um, all, because we'd be bankrupt. Right, but that's fair. But a large percentage of proceeds is going to this wonderful little baby. Her name is Sawyer. Um, she has, to simplify it, she has a vein of gallon aneurysm, which means she has an aneurysm. She is currently functional, but uh, she's inoperable. So we're just trying to do whatever we can to give her family something to help. It's also a hot tamale today. So we're going to try to be in and out of the studio <laughs> as quick as we can today because we are currently in the middle of a heat wave. Yep, it's fine. And when we tried to plug in the air conditioning, it blew a fuse. Yes, so it did. We it's are, fine. We are going to try to be <laughs> out of this studio as quick as we can. So today we are talking about our next production, which Noah is going to be a guest director on. It is our first ever webcomic which we were talking about a little bit before. This is the first time we're ever tackling a story that was originally developed as something for the internet as opposed to something that was originally published for comic format, for lack of a better term. Uh, we're going to be tackling Princess, Princess, Ever, After. Yes, we are. <laughs> <laughs> so, Noah, 
Jeremy. The first question that I have for you. And the first answer that I will give you. Oh, fantastic. Uh, is what was your introduction to this comic? Like, how did you come across it? I mean, so I I came across it on Tumblr at some point in college. Um, it was making its rounds there. I don't even think I'd read the entirety of it when it first crossed my dash. Um, and then a few years later at Comic-Con, I saw that there was like a published hardcover copy of it and I mean I'm generally a sucker for good art and it's it's really like it's really like cute but also really beautiful artwork so on top of the story I was just like oh I need to buy this right now um and it's sitting on my shelf (laughs) (laughs) and then I sort of re not rediscovered but like it it appeared to me again in June during pride month because someone had shared it on Facebook. I read through the whole thing again because I do love it. I don't know why I didn't pick up the book, but whatever. Um, <laughs> and I instantly was like, wait, we do comic stuff. This is a comic. Jeremy. <laughs> I was going to say, you've been knocking on my door about like stuff like this for a little while. That's true. Because I don't think it's you know out there to say that like this is outside of our normal wheelhouse for things that we do. I mean, what really opened the door for me to be like, oh, this would, this could potentially work is when we did um, Prince and the Dressmaker. Right. Because it's very similar in, like, style and format. Well, the thing is, like, and one of the things that I want to try to practice going forward with, like, the productions that we do is I don't want to trap ourselves into, like, the traditional, we only do, like, Marvel and DC and that stuff. Like, I want to explore the kinds of things that we do. So stuff like the Princess and the, or the Prince and the Dressmaker, and Princess, Princess Ever After, A, I just adore the message of both of those comics. Like, I Mm -hmm. love them so dearly. And also, they're very, very modern, very unconventional fairy tale kind of stories that I just, as a human, I love to read, and as a producer, I want to see more of done. Right. Absolutely. And I think it's also, what's great about them is that, I mean, they are written to be children's books in a sense. Mm -hmm. Um, cause there isn't very heightened language or very complicated, uh, language and everyone sort of speaks very modernly, I'll say, uh, the humor in both of them is pretty modern, but it's also detached enough that it's not going to date itself. Um, and that's something I appreciate because it makes it easy to read and it means more people can get these kinds of stories. And it's just like, I just love it. It's just, it's just so good. <laughs> So uh, walk us through the premise of Princess Princess Ever After. Like, what kind of story are we going to be tackling? So, I mean, it's a it's a fairly short story, so I don't really want to give away plot points. Which is fair. Part of it very much reminds me of an anime called Revolutionary... Oh, uh, uh, Revolutionary Girl Utna. Yeah! Um, in that, like, one of the characters is very similar in the sense of, like, not wanting to be in a traditionally feminine role and then taking on a more masculine sort of presence in this case it is the character Amira who instead of wanting to like marry a prince and like be princessy she goes out into the world and becomes an adventurer and a hero um and she learns what it means to be a hero and it's really it's through the help of our other main character who is the exact opposite she's afraid of everything (laughs) (laughs) she's um the sweetest thing she solves problems in such creative ways and even on top of like also, for for those who don't know by now, it's it's very queer coded. Yes, it's very queer coded. Um, but on top of it being queer coded, there's also like good messages in general of like not everything is solved with violence, not everything 
You know what I mean? Oh, for sure. Yeah. It's what do you remember what year this was published initially? Oh, God, I don't know. Because <laughs> <laughs> it, it's had a Listen, college is a blur. Uh, yeah, it's had a significant life like online for a while. And the author and writer who is a wonderful storyteller named Katie McNeil. Um, she's done a few stories like this. That's mm-hmm. like fantasy setting, queer coded, uh, modern sort of retellings of tales. Because especially like fantasy in general t- has the tendency to like, or at least it used to fall into the trapping of very being very like heroic. Yes, and people have lately taken to that genre in particular as a way to like break that and to tell more diverse stories. Right, and I do also think that people are are starting to because I do think that there was sort of this element to the fantasy genre for a while that was like there were set rules of how you were supposed to do things and like you need a princess and you need a knight and you need a king and stuff like that. Um, whereas I feel like now people are starting to take more liberties in it and sort of realize like wait, this is all made up, which means that I can make stuff up as long as it makes sense. Yeah, and I think this one does a really good job of making it make sense. So yeah, without giving too much because this is. On the shorter side of things, which is perfect for me because, you know. Yeah, it's perfect for a I, podcast. I don't have to. Well, dis- we even thought for a little bit that it might not be enough for a whole podcast. It's very short. It's something that we considered, <laughs> but as something that I might talk about a little bit more as we release the actual episode. But, like, I'm going to be addressing a change in the podcast format in the future because I am working myself into an early grave and I need to stop. So No graves. No graves. I don't want no graves. Unless it's ones that Danielle's like making up in the front yard. That's fine. <laughs> Just spooky aesthetic graves? The, oh, absolutely. The only acceptable graves? Yeah. Um, I want a pink tombstone. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I want to be a tree. I want to be put in one of those pods and be turned into a tree. Ooh, I can't think about this for too long. <laughs> <laughs> Anywho. Um... So, yes, because of that, um, in the future, we are going to be tackling shorter stories like this one Mm -hmm. uh, when we do tackle stories because there are other things that also need to be worked on and to come out, those things being Scott Pilgrim and uh, Teen Titans. Anyway, those are things for the future. Let's focus on this since I've taken us down this little diversion path. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) um, Oh, thank you. I appreciate that. So... Yeah, we've talked about kind of the broad points that I wanted to hit, like the kind of the premise of the story, like how you how you came to experience this initially, um, the kind of stuff that like draws you to it and the reason why you want to do it, the reasons I want to do it too, because I really adore this story. Well, another thing about it that I think is really interesting, and I, I think this is also true of The Prince and the Dressmaker, is that there is a lot... There is not a lot of queer media, but for a very long period of time, the queer media that existed was almost intrinsically sexualized in yeah. one way or another. And I do really appreciate, um, while, it, while I do wish that there it was a little bit more, even in this, a little bit more explicit that there is a queer relationship, um, I still think it was handled in such a way that, like, because it is not inherently sexual, someone could pick this up and show it to their kids, or, like, a kid could stumble upon this not necessarily knowing that that's what they're in for and, and you know, maybe learn something either about themselves or, or the people around them. Um, I mean, again, aside from, like, the general good, like, there's body positivity, there's, like... Um, there's a lot of good stuff in here. Yeah, yeah. there really is. Um, there's subverting expectations of gender roles for both men and women in mm-hmm. it. There's dichotomy of healthy relationships, like sibling. Oh, and yeah, otherwise. absolutely. Yeah, that, that was a big one. 
Um, and it's just it's just so it's so good. <laughs> it's really good. Like it's but, really uh, good at being like the t- traditional styling of being like the yeah, typical if, like fairy if tale you tell a child. There was one critique I had about it, and I, I understand this is just how it was written. I kind of wish that this author would take another crack at it and like expand it, because there are several plot points that because it's so short, it moves along very quickly, and people come to conclusions very quickly that. I'm not saying this is anything wrong with it, but I think it could have even been stretched out more. Um, and I would like to see some of those scenes playing out in a longer format. Yeah, it does feel very much like a, just a, this is an introduction to this style that right. this author has, which I'm fine with. Like, in terms of this story, I appreciate that. I definitely could bear to spend more time with these characters. Oh, Yeah. <laughs> Which would like I feel like that's a consistent theme that we have. In I want like, a whole chapter on Oliver. <laughs> oh my god, the <laughs> precious little boy Oliver. Um, I do. That's a consistent theme that we have in like media that we both enjoy. Is that there's more room to spend time with the characters, and that yeah. doesn't get explored all the time in ways that we wish would happen. Yeah, I mean, like kudos to the writers because all that means is that they made characters that. We want to learn more about, even though like they are, they are, they are archetypes. Even even in the queer coding and like the way that they're presented, there's still some form of those archetypes. Oh yeah, which um, but I, you know it's it's kind of hard at this point to to make a princess that is different from other princesses. Right, and I think that's a little bit intentional. Mm-hmm. Like it's a little bit of like we we talked about like the subversion aspect of it. But also, like, this fusion of different archetypes and showing that, like, these archetypes can exist anywhere on the gender spectrum. Right. Which I think is really, really important. Like, I think it's – the types are more traditional for a distinct reason. Right. Absolutely. (laughs) Like I said, it's hot. So I think we want to get out of here soon-ish. So my last question that I have for you, friend Noah – is uh, what yes, can we expect Jeremy. from this upcoming episode? Um, well, I mean, so this is my first time around directing, I will be very honest. So. Oh, it's we've been on a guest director kick lately, so it's been a lot of people's <laughs> first times. Um, yeah, but so, I mean, this is my first time directing. I've been doing theater for a very long time. That doesn't mean I know how to direct by any standard. You'll, you'll um, also have me here, so I'll be able yeah, to. Yeah, with your guidance. I think it's going to be very interesting. I definitely have, like, specific... Um, not necessarily like the way that I want them to sound because people's voices are their voices and we casted them for whatever reasons. Absolutely. But, um, there are definitely certain nuances that I want to pick up on within the script because we don't have the visuals. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that there's a certain amount of storytelling that needs to be portrayed with the characters themselves, the way they speak to each other, the way they speak in general. Um, like I want one of them it's really yeah one one to two of them just have british accents and everybody else doesn't <laughs> okay i mean that's that's something that's like very symptomatic of like voiceover in general and it's something that i can never like talk about enough <laughs> is how important when you don't have a visual aspect right how important the delivery of the words that you say is because right. you are painting the picture that you don't have with words with the words that you're saying right so, like, there's a very big element of specificity that goes into it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know what that sound was. <laughs> <laughs> that, was a, that was a hungry agreement is what that was. Apparently. <laughs>
But yeah, I also I like talking about voiceover directing. It is a oh absolutely. A I good mean, time. it's it, I mean, voiceovers in general is something I've always had a really large admiration for. Um, and like acting in general, obviously. I just said I do theater. Yeah, and it's it's funny. I was looking up some. I can't remember exactly where, but it it was this article about voiceover that was talking about how people have an easier time jumping from theater to voiceover than they do jumping from film to voiceover. Yeah, because I mean. There's a certain amount of, like, and I only know these things because I've watched, like, too many interviews and documentaries and stuff about voice work. But, like, you kind of got to be ready, much like in the theater, to make a complete – can we curse on this? We've we dropped F-bombs all the time. So you're going to make a complete ass of yourself. Yeah, yes. exactly. Um, and it's that willingness to, like, sound stupid and look stupid and what works and what doesn't work. And do I need to go further? Do I need to pull it back? Um, whereas film is a much – more and this isn't knocking either one they're just different um film is a much more like subtle it's a much more subdued it's more fashion. subdued but it's yeah. also like in film the raising of an eyebrow can change the feel of an entire scene in theater no one's going to see that they're in the they're in the <laughs> yeah they're, they're, in, the they're in the cheap seats <laughs> they're in the mezzanine they're, they're rushing like, tickets for 20 dollars what's that why are there so many cats? <laughs> Why do they all look like they were made on computers? Oh, jeez. <laughs> we, we can go into a whole sidebar about the Cats trailer. Can, uh, can we not? I let's, just don't. Let's not, because I'm even, still scared of that trailer. I mean, I'm one of the people that actually doesn't, I don't love it, but I don't mind Cats the musical, and I I mean, can we go into this a little bit? Is that okay? Sure, let's sidebar a little I, I bit. I think I think part of the charm of cats is the the technical aspects and like the makeup and the costumes mm-hmm. and like seeing those in motion and seeing like the phenomenal dancing. And I feel like a part of that gets lost when you're doing it all CG because even though I'm I'm more than sure that a bunch of those dancers are actually dancing because it's CG and because they need to CG stuff onto them, it looks fake. It doesn't look like a human's doing it anymore. Right, and then there's also a matter of like the scaling of it. Look, I don't know what it is, but it looks off. The scaling, well, because they scaled everything. Like, Danny was showing me a behind-the-scenes video where they literally built sets that were larger in order to make Right, which is what they did with the musical. Yeah. But it worked for the musical because it was all one place. Because it was one piece. There was no set movement. Um, Also, Cats is a very abstract musical. Yeah. And it's not the kind of thing that works when you adapt it to film because with film, then you have to worry about things like adding in a plot. Right. Well, yeah, that's that's another thing of, like, Cats is not a show that is meant to be. It's not meant to have a plot. I mean, like, it has a loose one, but. It's a, it's a weird, it's a weird, like, celebration of, like, life and, like, human achievement and all that stuff. Because Cats is based yeah. literally on poetry. Right, absolutely. Like, it's not based on, like, a structured work. It's based on a series of poems that. Are they abridging it at all, do you know? I have no there's idea. Like certain, there's, like, certain things that I need to still be in the movie. I mean, I think they're keeping a lot of the goofy character introduction stuff. Okay. Because it seems like... I just hope Gus the theater cat is still there. I think that's what Ian McKellen is. Oh, I think I'm going to cry. I, Ian McKellen is Gus the theater cat. Well, so, I mean, here's... I kind of wish that instead... <laughs> I almost wish that instead of doing the movie, they had these people be in Cats the Musical and film that. Because I want... I, I have no doubt that the performances are going to be amazing. On some of them, yes. On some of them, I'm a little skeptical. Who are you skeptical of? Uh, Taylor Swift. Oh, just calling her right out. Um, I'm, I'm just going right for that. Do jugular. we know what she is? She is she McCavity? I no. I think um, Idris Elba is McCavity. No, I mean, does, is she the cat that sings McCavity? Oh, I'm not sure. I 
don't actually know. Because there's, like, the two female lead cats. Like, there's Demeter and the other one that I'm not remembering the name of. No, she's like the young cat that has the weird obsession with. I know a weird amount about about cats. Um, I saw she, it once. I saw the movie, not even the <laughs> musical. She she's like the really young cat that has the obsession with. Um, uh, I forget the old cat's name. Grisabella. Grisabella, thank you. Uh, that Jennifer Hudson is playing. Right. Uh, but no, she's not like one of the lead ones. Like whenever there's like a big dance moment she's usually the one that does the dance moment because she's usually cast by like the most experienced ballerina on the cast yeah okay um there was a very big missed opportunity and i'm still mad about it i get why they did this but i so wish because i know when they revived it they kind of changed like rum tum tugger's style Mm -hmm. so like the song became more i think it was hip-hop i didn't watch the revival um, I didn't have the money to. <laughs> I was gonna say, I have, I have no idea. So they changed something about that song to modernize it. That's mm-hmm. all I, I really know, and that's why Jason Derulo is the Rum Tum Tugger right now. Is that what he's playing? I'm pretty sure. Oh, I really God. hope I'm right, since this is going to be published on the internet. Um, <laughs> tell me if I'm wrong, I guess. But So what, what was a huge missed opportunity to me is that if they'd kept it the same way and cast... Brendan Yuri. Oh, that would have been awesome. He'd be a great rum tum tugger. He he's got the been. smugness. <laughs> I love Brendan Yuri, but he's very good at acting smug. He is. Um, he also has Broadway chops because kinky boots. Yeah, exactly. And like, I, I just he, he's someone that I could have seen carrying that part very well. But now we have to get. But no, I, now we have Jason Derulo. I, I need to put my name in every single song, Jason Derulo. <laughs> I mean, that's that's just everyone now. <laughs> oh boy. So, yeah, uh, the Cats trailer is weird. Go check it out if you want to go watch a really weird thing that's on the internet that's being published by a major movie studio. Yeah. That's the other thing is I feel like the – it's it CGI almost looks cheap. It does. Which it, is like – It doesn't look finished. If you're going to pick something I feel like – I feel like movie musicals have gotten dirty lately. Yeah. Um, also, uh, Santa Claus James Corden Cat is going to haunt my dreams forever. Who's he? James Corden. I feel like – there oh, was a, is he there was a strap? I was gonna say there's a bigger cat that was not the narrator dude. No, wait. No, uh, uh, Deuteronomy. No, Deuteronomy is a uh, Judy Dench. Oh, I like that. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I'm not. There's like an older. No, it's there's like a jovial cat character that's like has Mr. a song. Mistopheles. It's not Mr. Mistopheles. <laughs> Uh, no, that's the magician that has, like, dance solos. There's an... I forget his name. He's not a major character, which is why I think they threw James oh. Corden into it. I, I, I don't remember the cat's name, but I think I know what you're talking about. I'm also just not a big fan of James Corden, so... Um... I don't think he's done anything to hurt anyone. No, <laughs> that's where I stand on I'm, him. I'm just he's like... Sort of, he's like the Guy Fieri of... <laughs> a little bit. Which is also, like, what did Guy Fieri do? Because he's, like, the Nickelback of Food Network. But what did Nickelback... It's just a... It's a whole cycle. Yeah. It, there's, there's a, I there's definitely, a hole. Also, I definitely lifted that from a comedian. I, just, oh, I don't remember a, his name. He was on Conan. Yeah. He yeah, I don't remember very his talented name. guy. But, um... Yeah, so cats, go not watch that trailer or watch, watch it, it. Whatever you want to do. I mean, I'm not not anyone who's excited for it. Go for it. I I kind of want to see it just for the performances. I am looking forward mm-hmm. to. I'm not looking forward to like the T Swifts and the Jason. The celebrity casting is what I'm not really looking forward to. Except J Hud. <sighs> really. I'm not huge on J Hud. Really. I think she's miscast as Grizabella. Um, I could see that, but who would you have put instead? 
someone older. Don't say Meryl Streep. No, I wouldn't put Meryl. <laughs> I would I would want a I like a Broadway actress as Grisabella. Hmm. Now I'm now I'm thinking. <laughs> like, I know Stephanie J. Block has played her before. I would love to see her that could work. as Grisabella. I I just feel like J. Hud's like too young is my That's feeling. fair. I mean it's kinda like when she played um Mama Morton. Was that not her? That wasn't her. Oh, please cut and, that out. And what? To, oh, I definitely said the name. Hairspray. Big, oh. blonde, and beautiful. No, that was Queen Motor Latifah. Motormouth. That was Queen Latifah. No, not in, not in the movie, in the live. Oh, I have no idea then. So I you, think it was her. I'm going to look it up now. You could be right. One moment while I Google. <laughs> Why did I say Mama? Oh, that's... I'm, I was thinking of Chicago. Oh. Uh, she wasn't in that. I just switched the names for some Honestly, reason. like, names can get so... Like, um, and Queen Latifah played both those parts. She did. She played <laughs> both those parts in the movie versions. Hairspray. Love you, Queen Latifah. You are. Oh, she's you are beautiful. I a love talented her. and beautiful lady. Um, Get out of here, mosquitoes. Jennifer Hudson was Motormouth Mabel. Oh, she was. She was. So but, right. I mean, it's hard, to, it's hard to sing Big, Blonde, and Beautiful when you're not big. Yeah. Um, I, that's the thing with her is, like, vocally, she's like... She's like that kid in high school who wants to play all the mom roles, mm-hmm. but like they're so young and they don't realize that they can play the not mom roles. Yeah, it's like that. Like, because like I would have even I would have taken her to be the cat that sings McCavity. I would have like, I would have loved jazz that swing with her voice. That would have oh. been astounding. Yeah. Um, but the, I don't I don't know who would be Grisabella to be honest. I don't know. I again I, I just, feel like oh you know who I hope is still in it. Um. They're probably not because there hasn't been a cast list that announced them that I know of. Mongo Jerry and Rumple Teaser. I'm not sure who was playing. Mongo Jerry and Rumpelteaser. Oh yeah, the uh, the Trickster Cats. Yeah, but I can't remember who's playing them. I hope they're. I mean, I'm just. I don't know if things have been cut. That's also this fair. is a really long no tangent idea. on cats. That's fine. We we hit all our bases that we wanted to on. Okay. On uh, Princess Princess Ever After. Besides we're also the fact, both very shiny right now. <laughs> we are glistening, and we're probably going to cut the podcast in a second because we both want to go inside and cool off. Oh, yeah, my glasses are fogging. Yeah, so let's <laughs> let's cut this boy, bad boy off. And um, Thank you for listening to this podcast about cats. Um, <laughs> thank you for coming to our musical podcast. Um, so, I know, we could start that. I'm okay with that. <laughs> I wouldn't mind that, honestly. I feel like we both have a lot to say about, like, That's true. musical okay. and, like, music. Stay tuned. And we don't, we, you never know. So stay tuned when you, we eventually make that network of podcasts that we've been talking about making for, like, Oh, three yeah, years. please. <laughs> so anyway, uh, thank you guys so much for listening to our podcast. Uh, if you want to subscribe and like this podcast, please feel free to do so. We are on Stitcher. We are on Spotify. We are on Apple Podcasts. We are on Google Play. You can find us on our website at capesushproductions.com. You can also find us on YouTube. Just look up Cape Swoosh Productions. Also, follow us on social media at uh, Cape Swoosh on Twitter, Cape Swoosh on Instagram, and on Facebook at Cape Swoosh Productions. And also, uh, tune in next time because we are going to be tackling this lovely, lovely story of Princess Princess Ever After. It's going to be so much fun, you guys. I really love this story. Hope to see you all there even though I can't see you. <laughs> we will We will trust that you are highly enjoying the story as you listen to it. But anyway, thank you all so much for listening. We're going to go sit in the air conditioning for the next ever, and uh, we'll see you guys next time. Bye. Bye, guys.